It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Skies turn mostly sunny into the afternoon today. Highs around 70. Clear skies at a low of 49 tonight. Starting out with sunshine Friday, more clouds late in the day with a high of 72. We'll turn mostly cloudy Friday night with lows at 56 degrees. Saturday and Sunday, partly to mostly cloudy if it's a patchy drizzle and fog highs at 73. Currently 51 degrees in Salem, 53 degrees in Roanoke, 50 in Bedford, 47 in Lynchburg. And so I, I got an email on March 22nd and it actually came from Jerry. It was a picture of us that we took at the Fontainebleau Hotel. It was a picture with me and Becky and then one with Jerry. He sent the email saying Becky wanted me to send this to you. Immediately I was like, who? And she's like, oh, Jerry followed. She she recognized the name. She's like, isn't that like the famous uh, pastor or preacher? Wait a minute. Hold on. This cannot be the same people that I'm thinking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, we're here talking with Billy Corbin. He is the director of God Forbid. It came out on Hulu on November first. Good morning, Billy. Good morning. So, um, a couple of questions for you to kind of get started for people who aren't familiar with you uh, tell us a little bit about your background some of the other work that you've done sure i'm a documentary filmmaker based out of uh miami beach uh we've produced such documentaries over the last 20 years as uh cocaine cowboys the espn 30 for 30s the the u the u part two uh and broke as well as uh screwball on uh, uh netflix mm-hmm. about the uh steroid scandal involving alex rodriguez and uh, Cocaine Cowboys, the Kings of Miami, also streaming on Netflix. So why this story? Well, for starters, uh, it has a Miami connection, has a great many stories, uh, always seem to have a Florida connection. Uh, we say the uh, Florida of today is the uh, the America of tomorrow. So uh, so sorry, everybody, about that. But, oh. <laughs> uh, that in, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> appears true. There's these, I was going to say, a lot, of, a lot of our crazy stories. stories come out of Florida, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Florida man often leads them off, those headlines. Exactly. And, um, yeah. and a great many of those stories have what, what we would call perhaps a butterfly effect, where you know a butterfly flaps its wings in, uh, in Miami, um, or perhaps there's a unique uh, relationship uh, dynamic, as is uh, this case, and it seems to change uh, the course of history uh, uh, in, in many ways. And so we were intrigued uh, by that possibility. So, of course, we live in the, in the city, um, where the much of your story takes place, Lynchburg, Virginia, and um, so many of us know uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes facts about Liberty and uh, and and all of this, and, and many of us are watching the documentary because we want to know if it's true. We want to know mm-hmm. what's true and what's not true. You've got some irrefutable evidence, certainly. Uh, in this film, as far as the relationship between Giancarlo and and Becky Falwell, don't you? Yeah, and I mean, we, we kind of put Giancarlo through the ringer in addition to days and days of interviews. Uh, we spent a great many months uh, obtaining from him corroboration, copious amounts of text messages, emails, photographs, and even some uh, video evidence uh, being seen for the first time, excerpted in the documentary, I don't want to spoil it, but it was it was for me some of the most compelling evidence uh, 
of, of really the totality of what he was saying, uh, both the, the length of time that the relationship took place, allegedly over, over seven years, and, and more, more significantly, the, and, and the question everybody has is, what was Jerry Falwell Jr.'s uh, in, involvement in this dynamic? Right. Well, uh, like I say, I think Marco and I both agree there was some irrefutable evidence about that relationship mm-hmm. and the inappropriateness of that relationship right uh we did have some callers call in earlier that thought jean carlos got off a little easy um kind of portrays himself as the little lost lamb being led astray uh i don't know that that's completely accurate (laughs) (laughs) no i don't think that's completely accurate either i don't i think jean carlo would disagree as well you know he felt going into this uh, relationship that it was um, he was 20 years old but he was a consenting adult he thought he knew what he was getting himself into i think he maybe perhaps uh, got in a little bit over his head but his sister had an interesting um, yes. comparison yeah. she um, didn't hold back she, she, no not at all and, and in fact there's something that, that didn't make the final cut of the doc is a lot of the material unfortunately didn't because of the you know the, the brief running time that we had some of sometimes you have a documentary at six to ten hours we had you know less than less than two, but she compared the situation to that of Monica Lewinsky, which I found very compelling because here again you have a consenting adult, but a a real disparity in terms of the power dynamic and a situation where, you know, once you come forward, you have a powerful couple in a position really to destroy your reputation and to crush you. And and in that case, as in this case, a job that they had um, in their young life for only one year, they are forever branded as. In Mm -hmm. in Monica Lewinsky's case, the intern, and in Giancarlo's case, we all know him as the pool boy. Right, forevermore, the the pool boy That's right. uh, in this story. I do do know what you're saying, and I do agree. At at 20, um, and as he pointed out at one point, that he was just a heavily hormone-driven 20-year-old, and I think there's a lot of, of... Men, he didn't put it that way, but uh, I think there are a lot of young men who would definitely, you know, yeah. fall in line for that. But seven years is a long time to keep this low. And even if you're not a Christian, uh, this behavior is questionable to say the least. Well, coming coming from Miami, it's kind of a day that ends in why. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't believe that I would have made the same decisions that Giancarlo. Uh, made under these circumstances. In fact, his sister, quite clearly in the documentary, calls him <laughs> foolish repeatedly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she does. And and I I think he would agree now. Um, but I, you know, he he also got drawn into this uh, and then wound up uh, as business partners with the Falwells in a, in a multi-million dollar uh, piece of uh, commercial property in uh, in South Beach. And so he was very much drawn into a world of power and privilege, and he refers to it as intoxicating. He was oh, honest sure it was. That he thought yeah. Yeah, there was an opportunity for him here to rub shoulders with the most powerful people in the world in the Falwell's inner circle. All right, let's take a, let's take a break there, and let's play a little bit about the the Trump theme that you inserted here. Let's September 2012, Becky gives me a call saying, hey, do you want to meet Donald Trump? Because at the time, he wasn't who he is today. He wasn't running for president. He was just a star and apprentice. They knew that I liked Donald Trump, that I read his book, The Art of the Deal. My brother loved business and thought Donald Trump was great, and so he was like, yeah, absolutely. They were bringing him into a world that he couldn't even imagine. Real estate, politics, my future, everything is here. 
So um, he was very much had his head turned by the Trump factor. It's safe to say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Gian- Giancarlo was raised as a you know a, a Republican conservative kid. He went to Catholic school. Uh, down here in Miami by very conservative uh, parents. Um, he was an admirer of Donald Trump at the time. He had read uh, The Art of the Deal. He was excited to meet uh, Donald Trump at that time in 2012 and get his book uh, autographed. So this was very much a part of, of what was so seductive for him about about uh, about this world. And an interesting thing John Crowe told me is when he came to Liberty University, which he called one of the most beautiful campuses he'd ever seen uh, in his life, um, he started to feel for the people in that in that campus community um, because there seemed to be a real disconnect between students, faculty, and alumni, and let's say the you know <laughs> the leadership at the time under Jerry Falwell, just in terms of of the purity of uh, you know the, the sanctity of of the Gospels, and I think the mission of the institution. So let's talk about that for a minute. So you say he had uh, the, and he did call the campus beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, and he. And, but you're saying he felt for the, the the people of the university, and yet, the second part of your documentary really felt like a hit piece on Liberty University, the people who go there, uh, the Christians in this town. It really felt like it went to a different place. Uh, he talked about how there weren't many uh, people of color there, which I've been to many, many convocations there. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that that's accurate at all. Um, why, why go in that direction? Well, I think that's the direction that the story uh, took us in. And first, I think it's important to remember that, that this is not a documentary about Christians or Christianity. It's a documentary about people who exploit Christians in Christianity for power and profit, which I think uh, Jerry Jr. at this point has been pretty candid about the fact that he was not uh, as religious as his father or his his brother who took over the Thomas Road Baptist Church. And so I think the idea that, that the school began to, to uh, wind up in Jerry Jr.'s mold rather than Jerry Sr.'s mold was, a, was, was accurate, um, both in the, the way in which he was invested in the capital uh, campaigns and improvements uh, of the property uh, to, to build that beautiful campus, but also in the way that I think he was trying to uh, impose certain morals and beliefs on the, the student body that perhaps went above and beyond uh, you know, what the mission of the institution was. Well, I, I will say that people who live here and who knew Jerry Sr., uh, n- knew that Jerry Jr. was nothing like no Jerry Sr. near nobody was fooled into thinking that Jerry Jr. was going to be uh, a, a carbon copy of his father. W- we all knew that, but I did feel like that part of your documentary went after Jerry Falwell Sr., which I didn't think was fair. Well, I think it told a pretty accurate. A history of the initial intentions behind um, opening schools that would eff- effectively resegregate the educational system after Brown versus the Board of Education. I think it accurately represented the call it the, the cynicism behind the move into politics and the demagoguery of abortion. Um, when you when you we interviewed Randall Balmer, evangelical pastor and religious historian, who talks about how. 
for five or six years after Roe versus Wade, while the Catholic community was extremely vocal uh, about it, there was serious dissension uh, amongst the evangelical uh, Christian community, um, many of whom believed, in, consistent with, with conservative small government values, that this decision should not involve uh, the government. And it wasn't until a series of market testing through various culture wars, of which Senior became very famous for, you know, the People versus Larry Flint, yep. you know, yeah, his, his crusade against pornography, against divorce, against uh, feminism, against the, uh, the gay and lesbian uh, community. Um, none of those things really, really stuck. Uh, along with the, the the segregation message, so ultimately um, it was determined by a group of conservative activists and uh, Jerry Falwell Sr. that abortion would become the issue that could galvanize voters. And to their credit, they were absolutely uh, correct. They were able to defeat a Sunday school, you know, Baptist teacher, uh, uh, an incumbent president, Jimmy Carter, and replace him with a divorced. Uh, B-movie actor uh, in Ronald Reagan, whose uh, whose campaign slogan, of course, was "Let's make America great again." Interesting. When we so talk about, B- I'm, I'm taking you're not a small government guy. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Oh, I'm I, I'm I'm very much a small government guy when it when it when it comes to uh, decisions and personal liberty and and bodily autonomy of of women and men alike. Hmm. Okay. So we talk about B-movie actors. Let's talk about Tom Arnold. I. Uh, I think you did. I think you did great on the documentary, but when you when when I saw him, you just you just lost all credibility. That was that was that was digging in. Yeah, pretty why deep. Tom Arnold? Yeah, oh man, that guy. Did he have? Yeah, well, I think that's a fair question. Yeah, <laughs> I, honestly, I do. Uh, but you know what? What was absurd about this story? And I think you know the story has a lot of absurd uh, elements. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and not the least of which is that no one's looking to kink shame. The Falwells, I think they seem like a very fun people, you know, and we encourage people to come down to mm-hmm. Miami. This is our this is our economy. Come down, live your best life. So you, know, you can have, do. So you well, can. Well, cer- that, certainly uh, that that lifestyle fits Miami better than it does Lynchburg. Yeah. I can tell you'll you be, that you'll right now. You'll be doing a lot of documentaries on people if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like listen, come down. You know, have safe sex with consenting adults, and you know, party. I mean, that's you know, and what happens oh, in Miami Lord. stays in Miami. In this case, it. It didn't, but Tom Arnold inserted himself into this story, which was part of the absurdity I felt of it. You know, uh, well, and I think we, we because get in, he hates we get Trump. That. Yeah. He hates Trump. He, you know, he hates Christians. He, I mean, uh, so my question was how how did the sex scandal tie into January sixth? Well, I think you had a, a, a series of, of things. First, it starts with Jerry Falwell Jr. being the first evangelical leader or the leader from the evangelical world, to endorse Donald Trump, who is a twice-divorced playboy from New York City of, of all places. Okay, wait, um, you're, calling out, you're calling out playboy, twice-divorced, but you just said, come to Miami and have sex. So what's wait, good, well, what's no, good I, and what's I, bad? I, I'm confused. I'm not, I think he's I'm saying there's a contradiction not, Yeah, but still, yeah. come on. What, what I'm saying is that that would be an unusual thing, one would think, particularly, uh, I mean, for an evangelical endorsement, particularly in a primary with Ted Cruz, who yeah. is an evangelical, gotcha. whose father is a pastor, who believed that he was going to get Jerry Falwell. Uh, who visited Liberty and, University several times as, as well. Yeah. Um, he, he and, also, in, and in fact, 
Yeah, you're right. He announced his presidential campaign yeah. at convocation at Liberty University. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think <laughs> I don't know what people on the left or the right would have said if Barack Obama showed up to the 2008 Democratic National Convention Who? with five children, <laughs> from, five children, well, with five children from three different women, yeah. like Donald Trump did. And so I, I think that it was a surprising endorsement. And when you start to dig around in in the events that led up to that endorsement, it bizarrely involves this throupling that happened down here with the one-time pool boy uh, in Miami. And so you can really draw a straight line from that endorsement to the outcome of the Trump administration. We, we've got to go to break. Um, we appreciate so much you joining us this morning, yes, Billy. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and I, I do appreciate the work that you did on this. Um, thank you again for coming on the show yeah. and, and sharing your thoughts and some behind the scenes of the documentary, God Forbid. It's on Hulu now. Billy Corbin joining us this morning on the Morning Jam. Thank you so much. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Good job. So I think the feeling that I got from this is that the way trump got the endorsement Mm -hmm. was they dug up the dirt they discovered the story yeah and that's how it got the endorsement that was the feeling i had yeah trump and all his divorces you know what i'd like to have a president with 20 divorces and 30 children if they can do what trump did to get the country back on track again to me that doesn't matter i I want i want him to do the job yeah morals is important yeah. And past history is important. Respect for women and family and, and we'll, that we'll talk about it more. If you've got a, something to say, give us a call. 866-916-3776. The definition of the word jam. To pack something tightly. A machine seizing or becoming stuck. A sweet preserve made from fruit. A common sense radio talk show. The Morning Jam. The Morning Jam with Janet on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Janet Rose, Marco Galbraith, hanging out with you on this Thursday. Our number is 866-916-3776. Don't say my name after the interview we just did. Marco, 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 (laughs) Marco Galbraith. (laughs) So we're talking about God Forbid. It is the documentary on Hulu. It came out on November 1st. We just interviewed Billy Corbin, who was the director uh, interesting interview. We're taking your calls now. We have Dale on the line. Is that right? Good morning. 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 Well, I just find it a typical hypocritical liberals that he goes on about Trump running as president, having had divorces. When we were told repeatedly, when some president called Bill Clinton had an affair with his subordinate, that oh, it's just sex and none of our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, has nothing to do with his job. Right. Nothing to do with his job. Even though you know, it was in the Oval Office. Right. Out of our business. Right. While he was president, while she was his subordinate, but before you know, he ran for president. Trump had some divorces, not good, but so what? The, they, they don't. The double standard Democrats have is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I, I and everybody knows how I feel about Trump. I love Trump's policies. I think yeah. I think he did a good job. I did not love having a, a, a centerfold as a first lady. Mm-hmm. That's not the kind of first ladies I grew up looking up to. Uh, however, I think Melania Trump's very sweet and and was a great first lady. Um, and it's just a different world that we live in for sure. Uh, have you seen the documentary at all, 
No, and I'm no. probably not going to watch it. I got texted you earlier. I still do the free TV with a digital antenna. I get 35 channels, and that's good enough. For that's me, exactly for what I do. That's the same thing we okay. do. Okay. Yeah. All righty. So TV is still free for like you. I get things like MeTV and you know all the old shows, see the old westerns where people still had morals. Right. Oh, nice. Grit, the Grit Channel. The Grit, and then they would yeah. just like yeah, shoot the Grit Channel's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, we watched it because we wanted to be able to, you know, interview him and, right. and give him a fair well, just, shake on sure, it. That's like part of your job, but, you know, you're talking about Trump, but I also, how many times have I told you that? I said Trump might have been SOB. Yeah. He's our SOB, and that's what you need is presence. Someone who'll stand up to people like Kim Jong mentally ill in North Korea. He's doing this oh, stuff with missiles now. He wouldn't yeah. do that when Trump was president. Exactly. No. Trump stood up to him. I don't know that Russia would have uh, invaded Ukraine. I don't Trump think they would have. Well they, well, they didn't. I mean, right, people say right. what they would or wouldn't, right. but they didn't. He That's invaded right. Crimea when Obama was in, Obama was in there, and now he did it when Biden's in there. But for four years, he didn't do anything. Why? He was afraid of Trump. That's right. Well, and because he Trump also calmed down there. North Korea, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, he calmed down North Korea, calmed down Iran to some extent, took away their privileges that Obama gave him all that, how many hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean... You say they could or would or didn't, might not have. Well, they didn't. We've got the proof. They didn't do that stuff when Trump was president. Right. Because he stood up to them. He stood up to the bully and punched them back in the nose. Right. Yeah. Well, you can see Trump at these summits as well, where he'll come in and all the world leaders are standing around and he'll push his way up to the front. That's that's what we need. We need a president that's going to stand up for us and be firm and, and say, right. You when, know, when it's time to be firm exactly. and be humble when it's time to be humble. He struggled Absolutely. with the second part a little bit. He did. Just he a did. little bit. Right. And he, and he does. <laughs> he does. Right. And in these meetings, you see Biden and he walks around in the back like a little lost puppy dog, not knowing where to uh, go with his head oh my half, halfway and, down. And, and that makes us look, that's what I'm talking about. That makes us look weak. We if need, you go and look at some of the Australian news cast when yeah. they do stories oh, on america yeah. oh right. my word it's so embarrassing yeah, the rest though. Of the world. and, and right. that's what England the rest of the world thinks you, the rest of the world sees it and says it yeah right. we're like afraid to say it i don't understand yeah that we're either. like the emperor has no it clothes it makes us yeah. look vulnerable we're very vulnerable when mm-hmm. we're seen as weak yeah. hey we got to go to our uh, mm-hmm. our news right. break but we appreciate your call thanks all right thanks It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Skies turned mostly sunny into the afternoon today. Highs around 70, clear skies at a low of 49 tonight. Starting out with sunshine Friday, more clouds late in the day with a high of 72. We'll turn mostly cloudy Friday night with lows at 56 degrees. Saturday and Sunday, partly to mostly cloudy, even some patchy drizzle and fog highs at 73. Currently, we have 51 degrees in uh, Salem, 49 in Danville, 53 in Roanoke, 47 in Lynchburg, 49 in Appomattox. So I received a message just a few minutes ago asking about um, an, an article that I talked about earlier in the week. If you did not see the article, uh, it was on Virginia's Most Dangerous Cities. Mm-hmm. Now, you know a lot about this, being in law enforcement, certainly being from an area that dealt with a lot of crime, Yeah, uh, for sure. 
this has been updated. Uh, Commonwealth of Virginia has, of course, many cities. The most dangerous ones were Portsmouth. That was number one. Yeah. South Boston was number two. Wow. That surprised me a little. Yeah, I don't hear a lot. I hear Danville, but not South Boston. Well, uh, Danville wasn't in the top ten. Roanoke was number three. Hmm. Galax, number four. Colonial Heights, then Marion, Petersburg, Norfolk, Richmond, and Newport News. Now, there were other cities in in the list Mm -hmm. that included uh, Vinton, Pulaski, Fredericksburg. Danville was on that also ran list. Chesapeake, Fredericksburg, Bristol. Um, And one of the things this article talked about, and I have posted this on our Facebook page, is what makes these cities dangerous. Uh, The number one thing was poverty. Yeah. That one of the main factors, people struggling to make ends meet, uh, they're more likely to turn to crime to survive, and it can create a cycle of poverty and crime that's difficult to get out of. Do you think that that's accurate yeah, yeah poverty and, and then i think it all goes back to the family structure is mm-hmm. these young boys and girls aren't being taught what they should do they're not being taught respect they're not being taught to to honor you know to respect somebody else's life do you think that part of it is people justify their behavior because they feel marginalized and they yeah. they feel like where i come the from. world owes it to yeah them. yeah yeah entitlement and maybe it's this is just my upbringing this is what we do and uh and it's yeah so they justify it they say a lack of resources available to residents uh including quality education health care safe housing good jobs i mean we certainly see I, i'm honestly and i probably shouldn't say this but i'm shocked lynchburg isn't on the list i'm very shocked. i am shocked but i'd like to know when they did the poll uh, I will give kudos to Danville Police Department. Oh, yeah. They've done a lot. So much. In the past six to eight months, they've really, really gotten aggressive on violent crime. And mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's you don't hear as much of them as you used to. Well, and I do think they've worked hard in Danville to improve their situation. Right. And to kind of um, get rid of some of the things that contribute to that cycle of poverty and crime. Right. Um, they really have taken a, a boots on the ground kind of approach mm-hmm. uh, there was a, that book that was written we interviewed the folks here on the air um the that talking about how one of the, the guy that used to be in charge of like the gangs and stuff mm-hmm. there came together worked with police that made a big difference right also economically they have made some changes in danville uh, just bringing in the casino right is giving people a sense of hope that's right and don't underestimate what hope can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because when people are feeling hopeless and helpless, mm-hmm. that's when things can get real ugly real quick. And a lot of problems is, you know, it goes back, like I said, family structure. But a lot of problems, these these young kids have never had a positive real. And I talk about boys, men, because young men, because they're the ones primarily committing violent crimes. But right. they've never had a positive role model tell them, you don't have to be a gangster or a thug. You can be a doctor. You can be a welder and make lots of money. You can be something else other than the direction you're going now. And, and you so know, they don't know that. They don't know that they can be something better than just somebody out robbing people. It's so interesting when you, because a lot of times we rely on statistics mm-hmm. uh, to get our information. Right. And for a long time, there's been this myth that your serial killers were all 
middle-aged white men. Right. I mean, that was kind of the the thing. Well, now so many more statistics are coming out mm-hmm. talking about how that is is not true. They're finding all these prolific serial killers of color. Right. But the reason nobody knew about them was because they were working in marginalized areas, mm-hmm. and quite quite frankly, no one cared yeah. that these people were being lost and it was just marked as a normal street crime right you know when it wasn't right right so we're learning a lot more about that as we go along as well we have eric on the line good morning you're on the morning jam hey good morning i just uh i just picked up about 60 seconds ago on the conversation Mm -hmm. and um i don't know if you've already broached it or not but i have a very strong and probably scientifically uh stat-based theory that can be proven uh this sudden rise in violent crime i think you know these marginalized communities you refer to the only structure the only social construct a lot of these people had was school and when mm-hmm. they shut schools down for mm-hmm. two years or a year and a half they basically went feral there was they did whatever they wanted all day long with absolutely no social structure right and it collapsed pretty fast so right. That's, that that's a great observation. Yeah, yeah, kids need because kids. Because if you look at the age of the offenders, it's they're just they just got out of high school, you know, a year a year and a half ago. Right, and they didn't know whether they do they go online. Am I is this Monday, Wednesday, Friday? What day do I go to class? Where's my? I don't know what to do. It's and kids need structure, and that must have been a horrible, horrible time for them. And you're right, they're out running the streets. They're lost because they don't have that structure. People need supervision. They really do, whether they like it or not. Well, and not only that, children, whether they know it or not, crave it. That's right. That structure, discipline is security to a child. Right. I taught at a local. When you have have single parent homes, there was, it was just, it it doubles the effect. Right. Because there was nobody at home while these kids were supposed to be, excuse me, supposed to be at home doing online learning. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, and 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 I have prime examples of of that happening right here locally. Thank you so much for calling, Eric. Really appreciate All it. All right. Have a great day. So, do my eyes deceive me, or do we have salty on the line? Wait a second. Wait a second. Not yet. Oh, wait. Wait. Hold on. Are you there? Salty, are you there? I'm here. Are you there? I I am are here. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. What what you got on your mind? Oh my gosh! Holy cow! <laughs> I, I've been, I've been cheated. I went ahead and did the absentee ballot because of my job, Janet, and they done messed me up. Oh no! What happened? Well, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> the, the the president said, uh, "Me and Delmont had a contest. We looked oh, at Lord. the transcript." To see how many times the president said the word democracy. And yeah. he come up with 48 times and I come up with 43. But, you know. This wasn't a drinking was game, was it? it? It Well, it was a little bit of drinking because our country's going down the toilet, Janet. <laughs> fast, the fast. The president said that democracy is on the ballot. He said democracy was on the ballot. And guess what, Janet? What? 
I got my absentee ballot, and democracy won't own the ballot. I'm getting shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. I never saw the word, the word democracy once on my ballot. Well, it seems like they're they're so trying to pull out hell? all the stops. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think that's what they meant, Salty. I don't think. I just well, think he's trying to convince you to vote Democratic. Well, I I, I reckon I'm gonna have to now uh, get into work late and vote in person now because yeah. democracy ain't on the ballot. <laughs> and and let me tell you something, uh, old Joe last night, you know he was calling you know out uh, donald trump and my maga republicans mm. and and where's part of the democracy uh, going down the toilet according to him and as far as i'm concerned uh president biden uh uh people that live in glass houses shouldn't get stoned <laughs> <laughs> wow that those are you know what today is national cliche day and That's i right. think you just killed it right there that's right good job my friend well we, we miss you we're glad you're calling in country. well i'm just really upset about our democracy i guess if you read the definition of democracy we could be in a democracy years ago because the way a special interest is controlling everything mm-hmm. and it's not by the people that's what democracy is about that the people have real representation and last time i looked you know uh, if, if you're a pharmaceutical country uh, a company you can you can be in the room next to nancy and the rest of them uh, but you, if you're a regular folk they call you a crazy insurrection as if you try to do something it's just all upside down that's right. You're absolutely right. It is all upside Republic. down. Yep. Well, thank you so much for calling. We love thing, you much. What, well, can I say one more thing? Always, yes. Well, for that dummy that you had on an interview, for him to think that Jerry Sr. sat around in the room with a bunch of people doing tests on what would uh, grip and, and get traction like he threw out segregation how ridiculous that was for him to get that in there uh jerry didn't sit around well you know you can't do segregation because you know uh, martin luther king we can't be a segregationist church no more well if, if that's just a bunch of bunk i'm sorry but that was unfair when he slipped that one in there and 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 all that and i just you know jerry senior i met him a couple of times and he he was just a man, just like me and you, Marco. But he he did, I believe. I don't think we're ever going to have a story like we did with some of these other people out there dead and gone, finding out all this stuff about it. I think Jerry was a righteous man, and that's just what I'm going to say. Yep. Well, yep. and I think Jerry, a lot of people agree with yep, you. Yep, I think you're right there. All right, salty. I love you guys. We love you back. Thank thanks so much thanks for, calling for calling in today. Wow. He was worked up. He was fired up. He today. said the the he double hockey sticks and everything. Uh, that's I right. had to have my finger ready. I know. Normally uh-huh. that's not necessary cut, with salty. Cut Second the call. thing, I guess he doesn't think I'm a man because he just said. Ah! Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy! And we're moving on. We'll that's be right. back that's for right. break. If you want to call in, we'd love to hear from you. Eight six six nine one six three seven seven six. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. 
Um, God forbid on Hulu, the interview with Billy Corbin. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of people texting in on inflation, shrinkflation. Mm-hmm. And then coming up at 8 o'clock, we're going to have a special interview on the way talking about the new Uvalde yeah. uh, things that are that are coming out about the Uvalde shootings. So all that's coming up this morning on the Morning Jam. You make the toast. We'll bring the jam with Janet on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam. It is our lucky day. Got Marco Galbraith sitting in. That always makes the day a little bit better for sure. (laughs) And you guys have been killing it with the calls today. 866-916-3776. We appreciate you calling in and joining in the conversation. Right now, we have another favorite on the line, Miss Ruth Ann. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Rose. Hi. Hello, hey, how are you, Ruth Ann? Fine, thank you. We've I'm missed you. Got... We have missed her. I, missed I was trying to get through, but, I, I, you know, so many people are calling, so, you know, you're supposed to stand in line and be polite. <laughs> but, like I said, I'm a little extra draw of job on the side. So, <laughs> what happened the other day, the day it rained so hard, I think that was Monday, mm-hmm. and I took the boat. And I sat outside and waited for him to come to the curb. Nobody came. I said, no, this is not going to happen. Because they had the copper stone down there at the train station. And I said, I'm going to walk it. So I did. I went to the door. And I stood in line. And this gentleman gave me a blue uh, piece of paper. I looked at it. And I said, well, I'm new here. This is the first time voting in Virginia. He said to me, he said, well, Here's the people you should vote for. Uh, where all wow. color is. I said, uh, I said, well, could you tell me who's Republican or Democrat? Well, I know, I know how, I know. Who, of course who, you who. do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where it's blackened on the side. He says, you know, here in, I said, this first time in Lynchburg is traditional. You vote Democrat. I said, well, hell no, I'm going to change that. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Excellent. You were messing with him. <laughs> he came to the wrong house. <laughs> yeah, I out in the rain, too, and with a walker, mm-hmm. you know, granny over to keep from getting, you know, melting and all that stuff. And I said, no, that don't make I said, why are you handing things out there saying that, that it's traditional? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, now, Ruth Ann, you know why he made that assumption, right? Uh, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I, like I said, I didn't have an umbrella, you know. And, you know, when you talk to sage people, you, you, you don't know what's going to come out of their mind. And, you know, <laughs> That's I right. That's right. So when uh, he told me that, the H word, sorry folks out there, but it, it worked in the, what I was saying. Yeah. But anyway, I did my voting and they asked me, did I want a sticker? I said, yeah, I'll take a sticker. And I got to think, and I have this lovely pocketbook that I put together a couple of years ago. It's with truck, you know. I don't know if I come out the door with it on over here because it's just me alone in this maze. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But it's listening because it helps me realize that, you know what, I'm the luckiest person around because I can say that I still have a job. Mm-hmm. I'm still paying my taxes on my old house and everything. And my credit is 
Oh, there you go. Very good. Good. Thank good you. you. Thank you for calling well, in. We appreciate it, it so like much. And salty, darling. You got my telephone number. You can call me just like you call Rose, you know. <laughs> y'all don't y'all don't be headed to Miami now. Stay away That's from right. That. Stay away from Miami. We don't need salty and, and you guys down there. Don't do right. it. Don't do we it. We don't need Miami leading salty astray. That's right. With Ruth with Ruth Ann. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ruthann. <laughs> oh, I love her so much. Yeah, she's great. So she she mentioned that shenanigans going on. Yeah. I also heard from a listener yesterday from the South Side, who also has um, uh, he he's in a wheelchair. Yeah, and he said that he had put out a um, piece of mail because it's on his front porch, mm-hmm. and he said it was for something for. Humana was some type of survey, but he said it looked just like the voter yeah. that, that you sent in. Yeah. And he said he put it out at eight o'clock and someone came up on his porch, not the post office, mm-hmm. and took that. Wow. And he goes, I, Janet, I don't know, but something was not right yeah, yeah. with that situation. They've and already... he said, I'm gonna vote in person. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna I'm not gonna say it's much harder for him right. to get out and do that. Yeah. But he really thinks that yeah. they thought that they were getting his his vote. His vote there, they're Craziness. very very sneaky. Mm-hmm. And that's that was on the south side. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so we've been talking about gas prices. Of course, we just had another you know hike right with the Fed uh, trying to to get things under control. Top economists are predicting that uh, inflation will continue into next year. They still won't call it a full-blown recession, but oh my goodness, mm-hmm. if you go to buy gas or Anything. milk or yeah. airlines mm-hmm. or, I mean, I've looked at a couple of, of gifts that I bought last year, right? and the very same gift, the, the increase has mm-hmm. just been unbelievable, Right. the difference in the cost. We've had people texting in talking about some specific things, um, like someone was saying Jiffy Cornbread, that used to be like 50 cents yeah and now it's uh two dollars wow for a little tiny box that's crazy i haven't seen that but i'm a cornbread purist so yeah yeah uh we've got charles on the line from danville looks like good morning charles welcome to the morning jam uh good morning uh have either of you seen the documentary 2000 mules yes okay and you know the numbers uh that that actually covered only 4% of the country. Mm, yeah. And I'm, basically, that that same fraud system is probably loose on the rest of the country. They just simply couldn't afford to buy the entire ping data. Mm-hmm. But out of 4% of the country, 56,000 people were tracked going to multiple boxes. That's amazing. And that's on video footage, too. Okay. That's, that's not word of mouth or... Or rumor, they've got that documented on a lot of that's on surveillance footage, video. Yeah, yeah. The leftist claim has been totally debunked, and they're just lying. Yeah. And how have they debunked it? Right. I mean, how have they debunked exactly. it? Exactly. They just say it's they, wrong, they, and that's debunked. Uh, they, well, you're sitting up there with your yeah. January sixth committee, right. and they're not doing anything. They want to talk about how democracy is at stake. Right. You really yeah. do need to confirm or deny mm-hmm. this legitimately. Yeah. yeah. Can I say something about the schools, too? Sure. 
you were talking earlier about the, uh, you know, schools being closed. Mm-hmm. Well, currently in the Danville system, and this is purely hearsay from a teacher who quit last year. And by the way, the Danville school system lost 157 teachers last year. Wow. Oh my goodness. And most wow. of them claimed because they weren't getting any support from the, the, the administration in the, the schools. Um, for example, I talked. I literally talked to a teacher face to face that quit last year and went somewhere else, and they said that uh, they sent a, t- a kid to to the office for dropping f bombs in class, and was told that that was part of their culture, and therefore nothing happened to them. How are how are we going to keep good teachers who cannot even keep civility? into their classrooms mm-hmm. because it may be a part of that child's culture but i can tell you it's not a part of mine Mm-mm. it's not a part of the culture right. and that's demeaning and the culture certain- that's that's not fair to say that about the culture right you fix the problem that's the problem is i mean we, i'm assuming they they decided that because of the child's color yeah yeah, yeah. but that's not their culture right i, I would be not offended. not everybody i'd be very offended if i was that culture and somebody said that about my yeah. no well, yes. God so bless you, sir. Kids don't have any consequences. Right. And You're with right. No consequences. They just assume they, that same system applies to them no matter what they're doing. So, of course, they're going to go out and do crime because, hey, they've learned that they can act up and there is no consequence. Yep. Yeah. No responsibility. we got to go to break, but we thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, We've got another does. interview coming up here very shortly. Talking about the Uvalde and the latest developments there here on the Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. Marco Galbraith sitting in today. We're glad you're along as well. Yep. You're listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA-FM Greta Danville. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Skies turn mostly sunny into the afternoon today. Highs around 70, clear skies at a low of 49 tonight. Starting out with sunshine Friday, more clouds late in the day with a high of 72. We'll turn mostly cloudy Friday night with lows at 56 degrees. Saturday and Sunday, partly to mostly cloudy if it's a patchy drizzle and fog highs at 73. 47 degrees in Lynchburg, 49 in Bedford, 53 in Roanoke, 49 in Danville, 48 in Appomattox. Well, we certainly have appreciated all the calls this morning. You guys have just been doing a wonderful job co-hosting the show along with uh, me and Marco. Good one. Yeah. Our toll-free number is 866-916-3776. Right now, we're going to be welcoming correspondent Jim uh, Crisula, did I say your last name right, Jim? Perfect, you did. Thank uh, you. All right, uh, we welcome you this morning here uh, on the Morning Jam. Sure, we want to talk about you. Uvalde and some of the latest information that's coming down about that particular story. Um, it seems like just when you think there can't be anything new, uh, something new comes out, doesn't it? That's right. Within the last couple of days. Uh, the Texas Tribune and ProPublica released, they, they got and then released 911 calls uh, from the school uh, during the shooting back in May. Uh, again, we all know what happened there. 19 students shot and killed, two teachers shot and killed. And as you can imagine, very chilling, sobering calls placed to 911 operators. 
you know, students calling in, a teacher calling in from a classroom at one point, uh, pleading for help, pleading for them to send authorities. Uh, they also uh, released some uh, dispatcher audio, two-way communication, police radio communications, if you will. And at one point, the, a dispatcher is telling uh, police officers, responding officers, that a student just called from a classroom and said uh, he was there with many, many victims, many dead bodies. Mm. So again, very sobering, very difficult even to listen to, to hear the fear and, and the voices on those calls. So do you think that that this was beneficial to put this out for public consumption, just personally? I, I think one of the reasons this was done, I, I, I and again, I've covered this story. I was at Uvalde mm-hmm. for about a week and a half after the shooting, uh, got there the next morning. And I, I think one of the reasons this was put out, again, the whole narrative about the police response and the delayed response that we all know about that police were in that building for an hour before they moved into the classroom to confront the gunman. But again, I think, uh, going back to the question, I, I think one of the reasons this was put out was to again show that much of the communications breakdown. At one point on these calls that were released, again, the radio dispatch calls that were released, they reported that one of the officers on the scene in the school erroneously reported that the now-fired Uvalde School District Police Chief, Pete Arredondo, was in the classroom with the gunman. Uh, That was false. He wasn't. He was outside of the classroom. So, Hmm. uh, again, I I think, you know, so so many uh, questions about the response still. And and I can tell you, uh, understandably, a lot of angry people still in in Uvalde, Texas. The the Mm -hmm. anger there... We, we've seen many subsequent school board meetings, city council meetings, county board meetings, and, and people affected by the shooting, those who lost loved ones, children, and, and spouses and colleagues have been showing up at these meetings and really expressing anger and frustration and rage over what they see to be a lack of accountability. Well, and just the sheer incompetence, I'm sure. Sure, yes, obviously. And, and I, I, it, I remember being struck in, in the days after the shooting, maybe the second day after the shooting, I would say, if I remember correctly, back in May, being there, how you, you felt a shift, you sensed a real shift in Uvalde from the initial anger, I'm sorry, from the initial grief mm-hmm. and disbelief to anger and rage and frustration, again, over the lack of what people perceive to be as a lack of accountability. And and then the questions started coming in about the police response and all of that. Well, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get hung up that, well, the police have a duty to go in there and stop that shooter. Yes, they do. But they also have a duty to get in there and get medics in there because you have people bleeding out. So, so, you know, we can think about, well, yeah, they messed up because... They didn't go in and, and, and stop that threat, but we also have to think about they have a duty, and there's a lot of folders and subfolders of that word duty. They have a duty to go in there and help those people that have been injured. They're bleeding out. I mean, it, it's horrible to say, but it's it's the facts mm-hmm. of the case. You have sure. to get in there, and you have to get the medics in there to render first aid. That's what they're there for. Police are there to save lives on a scene like that, and you have to do it. 
you know, human mi- nature might say, hey, who wants to go into a situation like that where you, you realize you could very well be sh- shot and killed yourself? But conversely, that, that goes with the territory of being a police officer. It does. Right. It so does. Again, and you know, Marco, so they, Marco is a former police officer, so yeah. he knows this better than the average sure. bear. He's sure. probably more frustrated than anyone. Oh, it's it's very frustrating. When I took that oath, I, you know, when I held my right hand up, it's not just repeating after what the chief and the city manager and the mayor are telling me to do. It's it's I may have to do something that I may not want to do one day because people sure. are depending on me to come in there and do the right thing. And like it or not, that's what I have to do because I chose that career goes with the job, goes with the territory, right. and you realize that. Yes. Yeah. So you were there in Uvalde. So you you stood with the, the family members of of many of these victims. Um, there is a Democratic Texas senator now who has announced a policy proposal to establish a $300 million fund to support the victims of, of this um, shooting. That, that took the lives of the 19 students and two teachers. Um, yes. Do you think it's fair to say that, especially the the people who survived, are going to need a lot of of help to recover from this tragedy if they can recover? Oh, absolutely, sure. And again, uh, situation Uvalde is a small town, relatively small town, about fifteen to twenty thousand people. So again, it's one of these situations where. Uh, most everybody knows somebody who knows somebody closely impacted by this, obviously, or who lost a loved one. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, a lot of grief in the uh, in the community, uh, and uh, and again, I'm, I'm sure that many of these people, uh, certainly the students, uh, the kids who saw classmates shot and killed in front of them, or a mm-hmm. teacher, how are they ever going to recover from this? Uh, you you doubt they will. Uh, so again. Um, you mentioned the state senator. He's been very vocal and uh, in, in, in fighting for his constituents and, and, and fighting again this idea that there's been no no accountability. I mentioned earlier that, yeah, the Uvalde police chief, school district police chief, was fired. It, it was kind of interesting in Texas, each school system has its own police force separate from the local police department, and, and Marco, and I found that interesting. I've never it, it, heard it of my, that. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I hadn't either, and it was my understanding when I was there, and I've been there a couple of three times since to Uvalde as well, that 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 was a Texas law that was implemented after a high school shooting in Santa Fe, New Mexico, five years ago. That was one of the responses to that shooting in which several students and teachers were killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came up with this decision, hey, let's have school districts form their own police departments. Which which means that Uvalde should have been even better right, prepared, prepared to respond to that. You would think because so, Because that's yeah. what they and, do. And, so do we think, gentlemen, do we think what ended up happening here is then we just end up with a lot of small departments with mediocre trained people is that what happened do we think well again there were reports and in fact it was ironic i think that the uvalde city police department had just put on their facebook page less than a week before the shooting a picture of their swat team Mm. in touting the swat team's preparation and training for a mass shooting wow but again, I think that 
And I, I, I certainly, I think what came into play too here, Marco, and again, you would know this better than I, with your background and your training and your your previous history, you know, of being a police officer, mm-hmm. is was there a question of who exactly was in charge? Hmm. Yeah, when, and, when you get so many, you know, you have something like 150 officers, I think, on the scene, right? Ultimately, you know, state, the federal, state. Remember that it was a federal border patrol team of agents, right. a SWAT team, who actually shot and killed the gunman. Yeah. Right? They, they actually, they apparently said, "Hey, the heck with this. Yeah. We're going." They to had the children classroom. in the school. Yeah. Thank, thank goodness One somebody them, yes. finally did yes. something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's command structure. You know, a lot of these, a lot of states have the green light on top of a fire vehicle, you know, the supervisor's vehicle, and that is telling officers when they get to the scene, you go to the vehicle with the blue, with the green strobe on the top, and that's the command right there. That's where yes. you go and get your, what are we going to do? Who's going to do it? That's the command post. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be, I, I wonder if they had that or if everybody was running around uh, giving orders and, and, who knows? Well, and here's and here's the question. I mean, because I I don't know how useful I think releasing some of this stuff is to the public. However, if people can come and analyze this, right. and we can grow from it and right. learn from it, I mean, one of the things we learned is your schools have to be the first line of defense. Close your dang doors and lock them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. a yeah. Uh, and and then are these small departments? Is that the answer? Maybe not. Yeah, and I think sometimes the smaller departments get into that mindset that it'll never happen here. We, right. don't, we don't have to really train as much because it's not going to happen in little, you know, did, little town USA. Did you hear that um, when you were there? Uh, is, is that something that you heard from people that they couldn't believe it was happening here, Jim? Oh, sure. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, again, in a very rural, tight knit community, heavily Hispanic, it's. Uh, Uvalde, a little geography lesson, is about 80 miles west of San Antonio and about 70 miles north of the Rio Grande River and the Mexican border, uh, Laredo specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, a farming community, obviously, uh, but very close-knit, mm-hmm. uh, heavily mm-hmm. Catholic community, right. of course, with, with the Hispanic prevalence there. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the local Catholic church, I remember... I think it was the Sunday after the shooting, the president and first lady were there. They went to Mass at that church, and then that church ultimately was where most, if not all, of the funerals were. Wow, wow. Well, you have, have certainly given us a, a different snapshot, uh, having been there in Uvalde, Jim. We hope you'll join us again on the show. We've enjoyed uh, talking with you very much. Sure, my pleasure, guys. All right. Good information, Jim. Thank you. Jim Crisola, he is a correspondent with CBS News, and uh, I enjoyed enjoyed him. That was good. Good stuff. It was good stuff. We'll be back, and we thank you for being a part of the show this morning on The Morning Jam. Give us a call, 866-916-3776. We'll, uh, it's Open Line Thursday. We'll talk about anything. We are The Morning Jam. The Morning Jam, 6 to 9 a.m.
866-916-3776. That is our number this morning for the Morning Jam. We appreciate all the calls. It's been uh, it's been a great day. You've done uh, really well kind of uh, working in your opinions and the things that you're concerned about. Uh, if you missed it, in the 7 o'clock hour, we interviewed Billy Corbin. He's the director of God Forbid that is on Hulu. We'll have that up on our SoundCloud uh, in just a little bit. Of course, we also had... Uh, Jim Crisulli just a few minutes ago uh, interviewing about some of the latest things going on in Uvalde, which was <clears throat> was really fascinating. There is a story in People magazine about um, uh, the Uvalde school. I, I don't really understand why this would happen, happen but uh, a grieving Uvalde mom said that the school called her and complained about her surviving daughter because she had a tear in her jeans, and that went against school policy. Uh, hmm. What? What? Wow. Uh, she said that she's expressing dissatisfaction over a call she got from the school district addressing the outfit. Uh, this is five months after the shooting at Robb Elementary School in which the girl's sister was killed. As seen in a transcript of the voicemail, Shared by Kimberly Matarubio on social media, a school staffer requested that the 11-year-old's parents bring another pair of pants or some leggings uh, to put underneath the jeans because um, the the uh, the cut in her er, they thought the cut was too high up on her jeans. Hypersensitive, which you know what they're going through some crazy emotions. They they are. It's understandable, but it's it's. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. It, you know, you got to follow the rules. That's what it goes back to. If, if the jeans were cut too high and it was showing something, then you're breaking the rules. But I think they're going to be hypersensitive with what they just well, went through. Well, and, and her point is, one thing you're not going to do is dress code my 11-year-old for some ripped jeans. Maybe you should focus on school security. Mm. You want to you go in and, and yeah. be hard on something. Right. Make sure your doors are locked. Right, right. And I, and I have to tell you, there's some, there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I don't. I didn't see the the jeans. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, that that seems. I think what we can take away from Uvalde is we have to understand that when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you're really the only person that's going to be able to protect yourself. That's it. You are the person. Whoever's listening, you are the person that is there that is going to, at the end of the day, protect yourself. We can't. Uh, we may not be able to depend on law enforcement. Unfortunately, we may not be able to depend on the security guard or the teacher. And we certainly learned that from this story. Right. But now here's here's the question, Marco, for me, as the mother of, of three children, mm-hmm. um, and thankfully never had to deal w- with any of this. What do you say to your children when it comes to something like this? What what do you what do you tell them? I mean, you don't want to say, well, you can't rely on your right. So, but when the truth is, you really can't. Yeah. So what do you tell your, your kids? I've, I've worked with, with law enforcement officers that, you know, I've worked with little tiny females, and I want them in on a fight with me more than the big burly guy because, you know, the, each individual each individual officer is different. But then I've worked with some officers that are that we've written up for cowardice, you know, before. We're, so I think we have to understand, tell our kids, unfortunately, the reality of, violent attacks in this country it's what's happening Mm -hmm. so we have to tell them have a plan know what you're going to do if i'm in my classroom 
and the shooter walks in this door, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. If they stand up from the classroom and start shooting, here's what I'm going to do. But we have to have an individual plan to protect ourselves. The best thing we want to do is put distance between ourselves and the shooter. Right. That's the bottom line. But I think we need to tell our kids, unfortunately, this is a reality. Right. The guy that just got carjacked at gunpoint at Walmart mm-hmm. at midnight at 1245. Right. Here, you know, and people people are putting on Facebook, I never knew that would happen at Walmart. Well, it's got to happen somewhere. It, right. And, and people are saying, well, I don't carry concealed if I'm just going to go to Walmart. Well, why? There are, there are attacks that occur everywhere. We have to understand that violence is a reality in our country, and we have to be prepared for that. Well, and and the other thing is that doesn't mean you have to. Um, people are crazy. Yeah, yeah. So you need to pick your battles. That's right, for sure. That's right. Mind your business, and it's perfectly okay to walk away. Absolutely, it's okay to from walk, a situation. Walk away from a situation. Don't live in fear or paranoia. But have a plan and know that the, the reality is you could be attacked at any time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And sometimes it's okay to tuck your tail and run mm-hmm. and then just call the police and let them handle and it. And keep your butt alive. That's right. Yeah, exactly. But then we also have the mindset that, you know what, I, I can't tuck my tail and run. I'm going to have to fight or I'm going to have to use my tool to protect myself. And and the other thing, and I know when you go through your classes and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you do this with schools you do it with churches you do it with businesses yeah Uh, one of the things that you teach is de-escalation yeah you know there are things that you can do that can escalate an issue right and then there are some things you can do to to calm that issue right yeah yeah verbal judo is what we call it you can i've got myself out of a lot of fights as a Mm -hmm. police officer just by returning respect to that person right they can be yelling and screaming at me and spitting at me but if i show them respect and listen to them right they'll start to calm down most of the time that's all they yes. want and when i did events it was the same situation right. occasionally you would get one that you couldn't reason yeah, yeah. with right but uh, on if, occasion i i've gone i've taken people from high elevations down yeah. just just by making them laugh mm-hmm. or making them you know just calm down a little bit sometimes Look, a woman can do that with a man that's right easier than than a, a man can can do right and we saw sure. when we saw that with the pool boy <laughs> okay <laughs> we got to get some kind of laughter in Two, this morning i know i tell you there's a story out there on the news right now that absolutely stinks okay trey's gonna like this one uh-oh a skunk tested positive for rabies in craig county oh no I needed a drum roll when I said this story stinks. I got it. Thank no, you. Frank. I got it. Thank you. you yeah, well. I was proud of you. It's kind of like a cliche. Yeah, no. But. Yeah, cliche pun. I was all talking one. to a friend that, uh, last week. They were talking about getting chickens because a lot mm-hmm. of people are talking about getting chickens now because they don't really realize how you know much chickens cost or Excellent how much choice. work Eggs. that they are. Um, and one of the biggest uh, predators for chickens is a skunk. Wow. I had no idea until we had this evil skunk come in and killed all my sister's chickens. Oh. They just take their heads off and leave them. Yeah. I mean, they're vicious little things. Yeah, wow. I had no idea. I didn't either. That they I were that vicious. I didn't think of Pepe Le Pew doing that. Well, let me tell you, he was not showing any love to those chickens. That's for sure. Wow. Not at all. Kimberly McBroom is going to be coming up. We're going to get our headlines from Kimberly going to take a look at your forecast as well tell you about some events coming up this weekend i need to see if you're i'm judging a chili cook-off this weekend oh it uh, yeah are you doing it 
No, I couldn't do it. I've got a class. I've got classes all weekend. It's a busy weekend, which is good. People that are is get, good. People are getting trained to uh-huh. protect themselves. And that that's what feeds the But you'll dog. have fun at that chili cook-off. That's I good. am going to have fun. We'll uh, tell you more about it. Maybe you can join us on Sunday here on the Morning Jam. We are the Virginia Talk Radio Network. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Skies turn mostly sunny into the afternoon today. Highs around 70. Clear skies at a low of 49 tonight. Starting out with sunshine Friday, more clouds late in the day with a high of 72. We'll turn mostly cloudy Friday night with lows at 56 degrees. Saturday and Sunday, partly to mostly cloudy if it's a patchy drizzle and fog highs at 73. Currently 48 degrees in Lynchburg, 50 in Bedford, 54 in Roanoke and Salem, 50 in Danville, 49 in Appomattox, and then 50 in Amherst. So I'm Janet Rose, Marco Galbraith sitting in today. You guys have been such great callers, and we appreciate that, and texters as well. We did a story earlier, Marco, talking about the 10 most dangerous cities in Virginia. Mm-hmm. People were really interested in that, as we would be right. living in, in Virginia. But many people took issue with, uh, with, the, with the listing. Now, look, I'm just passing along the information. So people have like been sending me other sources. And yeah. so we'll, we'll look at that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, according to this article, 10 most dangerous cities in Virginia... Uh, 2022 update this is based on uh you know people who are wanting to tour a town or um maybe they're considering moving right to an area we were talking off the air i read an article from my old hometown mm-hmm. uh, in sullivan county tennessee where a bus driver there has been arrested for driving children around a school bus while high on meth and wow. you were saying there were parts of tennessee that really have a lot of of math going on there yeah before we moved up here from florida in 07 2007 we were gonna there was a couple places in tennessee that we were gonna move to and mm-hmm. i looked at when everybody listening you can look at fbi.gov slash ucr it's uniform crime reporting ah. so if you want to see the truth every police department at the end of the year has to send in to the fbi all their crime stats so you can look at fbi.gov slash ucr uniform crime report and you can see what actually happened in every city and county in the country. But have you, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure you will, can they not kind of tweak those a little bit? Daytona Beach. Do they Beach, not play they, with that yes. a little bit? Where I came from, Daytona Beach, it's a tourist town. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our higher-ups, the city council, the, 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 poli- the politicians, right. would say, okay, we had an armed robbery. Let's reduce that from armed robbery to grand theft. Yeah. So that way we're not showing a violent crime mm-hmm. for tourism. So that way we're we're kind of we're reporting it, but we're kind of changing it right. from a violent crime. So that way we get more tourism in. And I wonder, you know, sometimes you wonder how done. accurate these stats yeah. are. Now this particular one uh, is based on violent crime, property crime, and other crimes 
that you need to be aware of. So it looks like they're grouping them all together Mm -hmm. for this one. It's not just violent crime. Yeah, and we got to think about that if there's a lot of property crimes, which means theft, Mm -hmm. burglary, auto theft, stolen bicycle. um, If there's a lot of, if you're looking at an area and you see a lot of property crime, that probably means there's a drug problem in that area. Yeah. Because drugs and crime go together. Another good way to find out if what crime is like in your area there's a free app and it's 50 radio mm-hmm. i use it 5-o radio um free app but it's a police scanner and i'll tell you if you want to know what's you think your town is safe right turn that thing on after about 7 p.m and, and listen to your city come well, alive shoot, now you don't even have to wait till 7 p.m that's right i mean darn we got stuff happening in the middle of the afternoon that's right that's right but a, but a local you can dial into whatever your local agency is if they participate with that right but it's amazing to hear holy cow i never knew this was going on at night because right. the news can't report everything that goes out nor would we want them to no so according to this uh in at number 10 is Petersburg. Now, a lot of these are the same mm-hmm. that, that was on the other list that we right. gave. Uh, this one's Petersburg. Uh, poverty rate is 24%. Violent crimes in 21, 4.15% per thousand people mm. is what they're saying. And it's a population of nearly 32,000. Then you have Norfolk coming in at number nine mm-hmm. on the on the other list as well. Uh, third most populous city in Virginia ranks number nine among the most dangerous cities in the state and poverty rates 18.75 percent there violent crime 6.63 percent per thousand people and there's 239,125 people there wow but don't you expect if you get in the more populated oh, yeah. areas bigger bigger city yeah more tourism bigger you're gonna problem. you're gonna have bigger predators yeah it's gonna happen number eight is emporia um 26 percent Almost 27% poverty rate, 3.49% violent crimes per thousand people, uh, population only 5,312. That's pretty high. Yeah, Emporia is not that big. Right. But that's, huh. So that's, despite its small population, um, it, it, it did not it did not do well. Came right. in at number eight. Uh, number seven, Richmond, not a surprise there. Right. Um, 24% poverty rate. 3.74% per thousand people, but there's 230,000 people there. But that's a gun-free zone. Most of Richmond's gun-free <laughs> zone. So how are they? I don't, how is that possible? How is that having crime? It, I don't understand. Oh, it must be. The, yeah. There must be something else going on. Right. Marion, Virginia, came in at number six hmm. and 25% poverty rate. One violent crimes in 2021, one out of every 233 people. That is not good. No. That's not good. All yeah. right. Uh, number five was Roanoke. Imagine that. Uh, yep. 20, almost 21% poverty rate. Uh, violent crimes, 58 per 670 people. Mm. Yikes. Mm. Come on, Roanoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Galax was number four. 24% poverty rate. Violent crimes, 2.83% per thousand people in Galax. But there's only 6,000 people that live there. Wow. That's not good. No. And then we have Danville at number three on this list. Mm-hmm. Now, Danville didn't make the, the top 10 of the other list. Right. But it was number three on this list. Uh, murder rate is one per 1,000 people. Violent crimes, 1.9 per 1,000 people. There's about 39,000 people who live there. And most of those stats are about a year behind because exactly. the FBI does take a full year to get the stats out on their website and to us because mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of... 
of data to to uh, to go through. So, so when people say, "Well, Danville's not," well, it used to be in in 2021. It probably was when these stats were coming out. But like we said earlier on the show, Danville PD has done a lot. Well, and this next one surprises me: South Boston. Yeah, I have, I don't ever hear much about South Boston with violent crime. So poverty rate isn't. I mean, it, uh, comparatively, right? Seventeen percent. Uh, the average household income is uh, $56,000. Population, a little over 7000 Violent crimes, 2.4% per 1,000 people. And murder rate, 1 per 1,000 people. Hmm. And there's only a little over 7,000 people who live there. Yeah. So South Boston, I, I'm a little surprised yeah. by that. Uh, they say a lack of a flourishing economy, they think is driving a lot of that uh, and an overwhelmed police department as crime grows at a rate of 20 percent which so. is throughout the country all the mm-hmm. police department the, every police department i know is overwhelmed right understaffed and overcalled. Mm-hmm. and then uh, number one on the list portsmouth hmm. murder rate 36.1 percent per 100,000 people wow violent crimes 920 per 100,000 people hmm uh, list of most dangerous cities in Virginia. High crime rate can be attributed to unemployment, which is uh, persistent concern for the city. But according to the guy we interviewed yesterday, hey, you know, unemployment's not a problem. Right, and gas prices are gas down. Gas prices aren't a problem either. Yeah, no gas prices. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fine. They've, yeah. Le- they've leveled off. Oh, my Lord. Leveled off at $3 more than what they were two yeah. years ago. Uh, yeah, I've scratched him from our, our yeah. invitation list. Right. Bloop, no more yeah, for you. Gone. All right. We're going to go and uh, have five and dine here. Thanks so much for joining us uh, this morning on the Morning Jam. If you missed some of our earlier interviews, golly, they were good. Billy Corbin, director of God Forbid. Uh, on Hulu, we had him at seven o'clock, and then we uh, had a, a guest in uh, a great interview from CBS, uh, who was talking about Uvalde yeah. and some of the latest developments there. So we'll have that uh, on SoundCloud a little bit later on this morning. Right now, let's go to Five and Dine. It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on the Morning Jam. Give her five minutes, and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. Five and Dine brought to you by our friends at FNL Market. They're on Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg. They have some fantastic sales going on right now. Their pre-Thanksgiving sale is uh, happening, and it's not too early for you to start stocking up, especially uh, the way things are now. They do have their Packer turkeys at dollar forty-nine per pound they're in their freezer section over there they also have uh, top round london broils and you can always get beautiful pork loins now i'm going to be using uh, this recipe for the pork loins that we're going to be making for thanksgiving this year it's an old south coca-cola pork loin and you're going to start by making this delicious marinade you use a fourth of a cup of soy sauce i use the gluten-free tamari soy sauce it the flavor is so good and it's not nearly as salty then a cup of coca-cola a half a cup of dark brown sugar two tablespoons of dijon mustard three tablespoons of oil two tablespoons of worcestershire sauce a third of a cup of ketchup two cloves of minced garlic two tablespoons of dry mustard two tablespoons of balsamic vinegar a teaspoon of ginger a teaspoon of thyme crushed and you're going to mix all that up into your zipper bag and put down, you, you can do up to five pounds of pork loin 
in this. So I usually do two smaller ones in there and I let it sit overnight. Uh, you can grill this on the grill or you can roast it. Now you're going to want to make a glaze to glaze it at the very end and that's going to have uh, some brown sugar, cornstarch, dry mustard, butter, balsamic vinegar, more Coca-Cola, and salt and pepper. And you're going to get that in your saucepan and simmer it and cook it down until it thickens to the glaze that you're going to want. And then you can just brush that over the top at the very end and then save a little to serve up on the side because it's really delicious. Check out that recipe by going to Facebook. Type in Janet's Five and Dine. You'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share here on The Morning Jam. Brought to you by FNL Market, where their meats are a cut above. Before you fire up the coffee maker, turn on the morning jam. I come from a long line of Southern cooks, and one thing my mama always told me was ingredients matter. That's why I trust the experienced butchers at FNL Market, Lynchburg's only locally and family-owned independent grocery store. Their staff cuts and grinds fresh meats daily and will offer you the personal service you desire for everyday meals or special occasions. This week at FNL, save on smoked ham portion shank or butts, $1.48 a pound. Top round London broils are $3.98 a pound. Save on family pack top round steaks, $4.98 a pound. And family pack cube steak or stew beef, $5.98 a pound. You can also save on West Coast oysters, $7.98 for an 8-ounce container. Sign up to be a VIP Savings Club member. Text FL Market to 833-605-1804. Stop by FNL Market today, 2517 Memorial Avenue, Lynchburg. Their meat is a cut above. Nothing like NPR. No. no. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where that came from. We have more listeners. I don't know who wrote that. <laughs> I'm going to start talking like this. Yeah. Like yeah. they do on NPR. Right. To be fair, it's sort of like NPR. Yeah, oh, not I even like close. You. Not even close. Oh, well. Whatever works. That's right. So, a lot of things coming up this weekend to take in and do. Tomorrow is the 61st Annual Pancake Jamboree with the Exchange Club of Lynchburg. That's where you go see... Used to. You would go and you would see people you wouldn't see any other time of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, But you'd see them there at the Lynchburg City Armory. It's all you can eat. And um, you, if you get 10 tickets or more, it's $9 each. At the door, it's $10. Uh, kids four and under eat for free. That includes your coffee, milk, soft drink, sausage, and, of course, pancakes. Usually when I go there, it's because I'm flipping pancakes. So. Yeah, I did that a uh, couple years ago before COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's a good cause. Yeah. And when you go there, you see so many people yeah, that it, you haven't seen in a long time. And it's a good event. Yeah, that is. So that's going to be tomorrow at uh, the Lynchburg City Armory. Also, on Sunday, Loose Shoe is having their charity chili cook-off. Now, you've been to this before. Twice. Delicious. <laughs> there are There is some really, really good. I was, I've judged it twice, but there's mm-hmm. some really, really good chili there. And so, so how does it work exactly? Like people are there to compete and then you, you get a ticket. Mm -hmm. Is that right? And then you taste all the. Yeah. You go around and taste it. And if you like it, you put your ticket in their little jar and then judging, they'll bring you, you know, little cups. Mm -hmm. And as Mm -hmm. the judge, you, you judge. And And then whoever gets the most tickets, is that they get a donation at the end? Right. Yeah. That nonprofit. Yeah. To their favorite charity. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to be at Loose Shoe Brewery in Amherst from 4 
until seven. And if you're, you know, competing, don't be sucking up to me because I cannot be swayed. That's right. I cannot be swayed. Not- now, my mark is going. Oh, and is you, he? Is he? No, I won't let him participate. Oh, because he's he makes some good chili. I was going to say collusion. That's he, right. That's he right. can make he can make great chili, but yeah. he's so competitive. He is. He is crazy competitive. He is. I mean, we we had one. So at, you're saying he just needs to chill? Yes. E? Okay. Janet's just looking at him. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Maybe we just turn that off. Turn, turn that turn mic that off. off. Turn it off. Right. Turn it off. Right. Okay. Yeah, he does need to chill, though. That's for sure. I mean, he literally tried to sway you. <laughs> he did. He tried to buy my vote when I was the judge when I was judging his chili contest, and uh-huh. it worked. I took the money, and he won. <laughs> no, I he have, didn't. I, I wouldn't have let so him win. So much more respect respect for Mark now. <laughs> I might do the same thing. Oh, that he would that he would cheat. Hey, you, you cheaters! Hey, you win, win. A win's well, a win. We see it happening. Uh, okay. Look That's at right. the Astros. They cheat, and now they're in the World Series again. Mm, all right. Mm. A Chick-fil-A owner and operator in Miami says he has found success with a new radical staffing schedule. This is according to uh, a business article on CNN. Instead of the typical five-day, eight-hour work week, his employees switch to 14-hour shifts Wow. on three days a week. That's nice, but it's a long time to stand on your feet. That's a lot of waffle fries. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Uh, owner Justin Lindsay said he started the program in February and has had a hundred percent retention at the management level since. Well, you get more days off. I mean, you know, there's a positive thing to that. I thought you were going to say the Chick Fil A in Miami has found a new pool boy. No, that wasn't it. Uh, he said he made the change after realizing workers were putting in seventy hours consistently. And they deserved a reward that wasn't just a bump in PTO or benefits. He said the new schedule has brought more than 420 applicants in on recent job listings. See, that's something that people need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. I'd rather work a long day, a couple long days, than have more days off. Right. And I think that's what he's seeing. Although, 14-hour shifts, that's a long shift. That is long. But most of these people are kids. That are working there. That's true. You know, when you're 20, 19, 20, 18, whatever, it, that's not that's not bad. And they stay busy. You know, if you, that's if, true. If you're it goes busy, fast. Yeah, it's it's when you're slow and you're lazy and you don't work. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I have a personal story I'll tell you off the air. The time goes by slow. I don't get it. I'd rather be busy at work. I agree with that. Yeah. And now, and my mark works twelve hour shifts. Yeah. And and that's the way their schedules are. Right. But now they go from day shift to night shift, which I think would be brutal. I don't think I could do that. But I think that's I think that's pretty smart. And maybe yeah. that's something that other businesses need to think about if it's something that you can manage. It's working for him. It is working for him. uh, Employee retention. Um, I'm a little concerned. I don't know. uh, We know that uh, Mark Lamb at one time did live in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if he has visited recently and if he's going into a life of crime. Uh, Apparently a driver has been arrested after stealing a Krispy Kreme truck filled with donuts oh no that sounds like a crime he might be willing to go down right. for That's if right. it was Reese cups i would really think that maybe yeah. what it was south I, abingdon township in pennsylvania said it was notified that the crispy cream truck was stolen friday around nine in the morning employees at the crispy cream told officers a delivery driver 
later identified as 40-year-old Robert Redmond Jr., failed to make a delivery to a store in another town the night before. Apparently, he stopped responding to his employers after he didn't make the delivery. Police eventually found him, and he was uh, taken to the Lackawanna County Prison on theft and receiving stolen property charges. His bail was set at $25,000. We have got murderers that yeah. don't have bail, and they're putting a bail on him of 25000 for Krispy Kreme donuts. Is it bad? The first thing I thought of when you said the bail number is how much that would be, how many dozens of donuts you could buy. That's that was, right. That was my That's first right. thought. Don't mess with the police donuts. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, don't don't play around with our donuts. We will put you in jail at a high bond. All I can think of every time I, I read a story about Krispy Kreme is I think about our little intern that we had, Kaylee, mm-hmm. and how they would go and they would look yes, at I remember the dumpsters that story. Yes. And to see if the Krispy Kreme donuts... Yeah. Had been thrown away. Yeah. I, I don't know. This is a very strange story indeed. And then, of course, there was another Krispy Kreme story where um, a guy got busted because he was going to a town buying Krispy Kremes and then taking them to another town and selling them for a profit. And he got in trouble for that. And I'm like, what? That's that's enterprising. Yeah, that's Why should he be penalized for right, that? Right. That's just good business. I thought it was good business, too. But apparently, you know. Guess you can't do that. Guess not. Um, a lot of folks are hunting right now. Lots of tree stands being used. Make sure you use those safety harnesses, guys. Authorities in Texas worked with first responders to rescue a deer hunter who was stuck upside down, 18 feet up in the air, in a climbing tree stand. Sheriff Brian Weatherford told the local media that the hunter was rescued Monday afternoon. It's bow hunting season. Uh, Gun hunting, of course, is coming up. He said the hunter was able to call 911, saying he needed help getting down after falling out of his deer climb and getting stuck. I wonder if he dialed 119 first. (laughs) Because he was upside (laughs) down. Because he was upside down. (laughs) He said he was trying to reach his hunting partner, but he couldn't. He was able to call 911. Uh, His friend helped us reach the exact location. That's why you need to have your location services yeah, on. That's right. That's right. Because my mark will be like, okay, I'm at the Birch Street yeah. stand or I'm at, he's got different names yeah, yeah. for different ones. Yeah. And I, I went around yesterday with him just so I could probably, you know, yeah. be able to identify yeah. him. But he's really good. Yeah. I, I have done some quick math to back to our Krispy Kreme story. And um, <laughs> so $25,000 bail uh, would call, would be about 1,923 dozens of donuts. Wow. wow. Okay. Wow. That may have been what was in the back of the truck. That's so, true. Who knows? Just to put in perspective. If you missed any <laughs> of our interviews, you're definitely going to want to come back and catch some of those. Uh, that Billy Corbin interview at 7 a.m. with the uh, documentary God Forbid. That was an interesting interview. Big twist on that. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, there's a huge twist on that. It, mm-hmm. it definitely took a different direction, which I didn't I didn't like personally. I, and I didn't anticipate it no. either. Stick with the story, but it, yeah. it, it really went off. It, it attacked a lot of people that didn't need to be attacked. Yeah, and we, we asked him about that in the interview. And uh, if you get a chance, go back and listen to it. I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow is Friday. That means it's uh, Friday Funnies. So yep. we'll have a good time with that. Marka, thanks for joining us today. Sure thing. Great thanks show. For yeah, good show. Good time. Mm-hmm. We've got your CBS News at the top of the hour. Bill Trefaro will be coming in from the Roanoke News Desk. We thank you for listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network.